the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. The good, the bad, and the Boucherian. And folks, you're listening to the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. And then when I was like early in primary school, because we, we used to go, I think like many kids in rural areas, we used to go to school barefooted. And so when I was in lower primary, because we used to come home in the afternoon, like at around one, two, like it would be so sunny. And then because the, the road is mainly sand, like it, uh, you know, it would be so painful, like walking through the sand in this in the in the sunny weather. So what we would do is like would would be running to shade. So like you'd literally sprint until mm-hmm. the place where there's a tree. You rest there, then you sprint again until the next place, etc. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so like I had to learn to read and to write out of necessity. Yeah. Like for me. Mm-hmm. For me, it wasn't just books. Like for me, it was like I want to read because I need to be able to write letters for my mom. Mm-hmm. I need to learn to do math because um, we had a big farm, and sometimes like would get people to uh, to do some casual jobs like weeding, etc. And like they were paid, you know, like you needed to calculate the area of land they've done, then multiply by money. So. I knew like I had to know the math so that I can do it for my mom. Uh-huh. So so from that earlier stage, like education was very practical for me. Like we took we took a bus overnight um with him, came to Kikuyu, went to to school. And though he hadn't been to school himself, like he actually came for all my academic days. Uh, wow. He would like, sit there, they, they were talking English, he couldn't understand, but like you'd actually sit there, listen. So, so I was invited um, actually to St. James's Palace. Uh, St. Hey, James's hey. Palace in London is the residence of um, Her Royal Highness uh, Princess Anne, uh, who is a daughter to the Queen. It's your boy, Billy, back at it with another episode. Hope you guys are keeping well, keeping safe amidst the pandemic. And things are going well on your side. Today is another day, another week to appreciate you guys for all the love and support you guys have shown the podcast this far. And I don't take it for granted. And today in studio, my guest is Daniel Mutia, class of 2013. As he says, a proud Bushirian who just completed his studies in the University of Edinburgh with a first-class honours age when I grew up, when I grew up, and was studying there under the MasterCard Foundation, as a MasterCard Foundation Scholar, and now is going to study in Oxford this October, having received one of the most prestigious, if not actually the most prestigious scholarship in the world, the Road Scholarship, and just received his Sir William Darling Memorial Prize out of the four students who received it in his university for contributing to a positive reputation of the school. Not to mention that he was also in the student council. And I think his whole LinkedIn, you guys can go and follow him and read of all of these good things. But today we're going to be talking about things from, he talks about not having 
been in the best circumstances, but now has all these opportunities. So we'll delve right into that and talk a bit about as well for him, what does education mean to him for him as he talks about education being very practical in his daily life. And as well as having gone to the St. James's Palace, I think I am one person away from Princess Anne now that my guest has seen her, has seen her twice. So we'll delve right into the podcast. So I'd set up some calls with a few um a few a few people. Um mostly people who are scared about going to the next year and they wanted some uh, some tips and motivation. Um but then you know, you know, in academics they are really like any new tips, like it's just you know, put in the time and you'll be fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um do you like being viewed um, as a mentor? So um i hope we haven't started this conversation um (laughs) (laughs) why not (laughs) um so do i like being viewed as a mentor um Mm -hmm. not really not really because because i think when you're going through the process yourself you you know yes maybe you might like make some big leaps um etc some people might view you as uh, someone who has achieved maybe something they aspire um but for you you are very normal for you because you live with yourself like you know your imperfections um etc so it's it's hard for you to think that you can impose your knowledge on someone else but i like uh, motivating not really motivating but just giving other people confidence not necessarily by telling them to be like me but telling them to believe in themselves so so in that aspect i'm not the mentor who will tell you do one two three to succeed uh but i'll just listen to your story and maybe try to you know to see how you can be better in your own aspect so not really like so i don't know what mentoring is but there are people who call me my mentor they are um I who call me their mentors. Um, so I th- I guess I am, but I don't like the name. They're just colleagues. <laughs> but mm. do you feel like does that put a lot of pressure on you? Do you feel like there's so much pressure when someone calls you a mentor? So all these imperfections that you personally struggle with, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to portray them to this person because they view you as they've already put you on that pedestal. So they know Daniel is, you know, the best in all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very hard. It's very hard when people view you like that, uh, when they elevate you somehow. Um, it's it's a lot of pressure, yes. It's a lot of pressure, but, you know, with time, because for me personally, I've, um, you know, every place I've gone, um, I've, I've had some, you know, some level of, um, I was doing maybe better than my peers in a particular aspect, and they, they always seemed to admire that particular aspect. So I think it's something I've sort of grown up with. And, you know, I learned to to sort of focus on my journey, um, focus on my journey, uh, be real to myself and just share my story with anyone who is willing to listen without putting too much pressure on myself. Uh, but it's it's a journey really like you, it takes time for you to learn to be kind to yourself. And also as you talk to other people, also as you talk to people you look up to, you also realize they are not perfect. So you you stop chasing perfection um, or you stop letting that pressure get into you. 
or letting pride get into your head, but rather like you focus on getting better every single day. So, yeah. And do you feel like there's a time when pride got into your head? <laughs> like, Ama was lacking, was about to. Uh-huh. I was always telling you, just... <laughs> um yeah i mean i I think i think there have been moments when uh, you know i mean not uh, like let's maybe say stuff to do with with academics etc um sometimes when you do very well um going to the next chapter you know there are times i've gone to the next chapter and thought oh i'm so good i don't need to work hard you know um i'm i'm good naturally i'm naturally talented and then i don't work hard and um uh you know <laughs> get get some scares uh, which are not nice so i learned that um you know it's good to be confident um when we talk about humility it's not that uh you know you should just be all weak etc it's good to be confident to believe in yourself but it's also important to to realize the process that has gotten you where you are and the, the main principles, uh, principles of self-discipline, uh, working hard, uh, putting in the time. Um, so, so, so yeah, it's, it's important to remember those things. And you remember those things if, you know, for example, for me, I've, um, you know, I've been lucky to see many sides of life, you know, I've, um, I've succeeded greatly, but I've also failed, you know, so so I know how it feels to mm-hmm. fail and I also know how it feels to succeed. Um, I've also, you know, uh, lived in a very, um, you know, in a very financially unstable environment, but I've also, you know, stayed in the big hotels with very influential people, etc. So I sort of have a feeling of both sides. Um, so, so I think that gives you some, some clarity. Uh, it makes you, it keeps you grounded uh, because mm-hmm. at least you've, you know, um, like you don't feel, um, you don't feel inferior because you've been with superior people and you've realized they are not so different to you. And you, uh-huh. you know, you, you don't also feel superior to other people because you've been with people, a lot of people consider lowly, but you are actually very happy in, in, in that position. So yeah, I just um learn to walk your journey really and to be to be grounded, to be to be humble, um, and to just focus on on your job, I think. Mm-hmm. And you've talked about how in each stage of your life, mm-hmm. uh, there's always something that your peers have always admired from you yeah about you yeah so for you at which stage do you think was one the mm-hmm. one stage you felt like there was so much pressure either mm-hmm. from your peers from people at home from your teachers or from whoever mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a very broad question um so when i was um when i was in class class two um when I was in class two, like I was just going to school normally. I didn't think like I was an exceptional student or anything. So, so this teacher was uh, like, we were in the middle of a lesson. Then this teacher from class five comes to my class and he asks our class teacher, can I have Daniel for a few minutes? Um, Then he took me to a class five class. I stood at the front, he gave me a book and then he said, read this page 
you know so so i mean i i i was a good reader and i thought that was very normal so i just read the page very quickly and then he looks at the at the other pupils in class five and he's he asks them do you know which class daniel is at like yeah class two so none of you could read but he actually read hmm? how do you feel about that um so, uh -huh. So that was that was one of those moments. I mean, like I was really young. I didn't know what pride was, but like I thought it was just a normal thing. I think I was brought up with a very um, stable mindset. Like I never want to be, like I I don't aspire to be better than other people, or I like I don't really like like competition. So. So like I didn't feel any pride living. I just thought, okay, I can read. They can't read. Like, what's unique about that? Um, <laughs> and then, so the next time, and which was a very transformative moment for you, I was actually now in class five, and uh, because I grew up in uh, in Seikuru, which is in eastern Kenya, it's a very arid area. Um, so my holidays involved uh, things like my weekends and holidays were mostly like herding our cows and goats and stuff. Uh, so there was this opportunity, there was a local NGO and they started um, uh, this um, organization called Kenya Children Assembly. And they, they were saying that, you know, they want to give children a voice uh, that we should have a parliament and go voice our issues and say what we want to see done for us, etc. So they came to our school and they said, we want a representative from your school. And I guess this was just by chance. The head teacher said, okay, we'll get a boy from class five. Uh, so he comes to our class, he tells, you know, the kids, or he tells us to elect one person. Um, and for some reason, Mm -hmm. You know, everyone said, okay, Daniel can do it. Um, so, and what this entailed was, um, you know, every, every, every holiday I would go meet, um, like in our district, I would go meet other kids from other places of the district. And for three days would stay like in these very fancy hotels and discuss things. Um, etc. Um, and in that parliament, I, I actually became the president. Uh, so, so when nice. I became the president, but do you when say? I became, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, those times I just thought things were normal. Like, yeah, you just stand in front of the people, you say what you want to do, and you win. Like, I didn't see any big deal. Like, just like, yeah, I won, they lost, but like, what's the problem? It's so mm -hmm. I mean, because of that, I got an opportunity to to be representing the district in the in the counties, regional and national level, um, which was a very good opportunity because, you know, it took me from the village and gave me opportunity to stay in very fancy hotels, meet very influential people, give speeches and actually hear people giving standing ovations. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, so even when I came back herding my cows, you know, I knew I know the world, I'm confident, etc. Um, so, uh -huh. of course, af after that, you know, when people hear that you've been going to Nairobi, you've been going to I don't know where. And, you know, of course, they give you allowances then you buy some new shiny watch. So people start treating you differently. You know? Yeah. Even teachers uh, start start having some respect for you. Um, mm 
um so and and then i was i was also doing quite well in school so you know you would hear these stories of oh actually our teacher was telling us about you in our school and mm -hmm. so you'd meet you know i would meet my 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 peers or like other kids in functions and they're like are you daniel and you know so i was like oh yeah yeah how do you know me uh i don't know this happened this happened um but to be honest, I think because of my upbringing, um, you know, I was just raised to be quite humble. Um, and and that goes back to the point I said earlier that, you know, we, we didn't have much growing up, uh, to be honest. Um, I, I wasn't actually sure I would go to primary school because we moved ar around a lot because of various issues actually in class one i went to three different schools in one term so um, for me like it was just that humility of just feeling you know it's just i'm just privileged to like every single opportunity i got i thought you know i'm just privileged um and I also had very high expectations about myself. So I knew every single time that, you know, I um, I have to work very hard. Um, I wasn't working hard to be number one, to be honest. Um, I think like I used to set targets for myself. I would say, for example, there was a time I was getting like uh, 60s and 70s in math in class five, and I was really mad. Uh, and you know i like i was young but like i was very self driven because as well like my my parents and my guardians they hadn't gone to school so they couldn't offer like much guidance so so i had to make a lot of decisions for myself like i had to to know when i was doing well when i wasn't doing well etc so mm -hmm. in class 5 when i got i think i got a 67 in math and I was so mad. So I went, um, I went to the teacher, borrowed the book. And then for a whole weekend, I told my mom, mom, today I'm not going to the forest. Please, I need the two days. So, mm -hmm. so I scrolled through the whole book in two days. Um, you know, I like read every single thing. I mean, they were really small books, to be honest, like in class five. Um, like I, I, exactly. But like before that, I'd never really made an effort to read. Like I would, I just yeah. thought like, of course I will pass, you know, like I didn't know that in order to do very well, you have to read. I thought mm -hmm. you just attend the class and you're fine. So that was my first attempt at reading. And then, uh, actually after that day, like things shifted like exponentially and all of a sudden like i was i was getting 90s 100 and then now they started that trend when you get a, a 98 they beat you up etc so <laughs> <laughs> and they were not bothered when i was getting 60 now i'm 98 and they're like you know um yeah. so so though i remember as well like there are times i would get 98 and then they would have to i feel like i'm bragging here but um it's it's not bragging when it's true so um <laughs> yeah there's this time uh -huh. this time like you'd get a 98 and then like they have to actually go revise the marking scheme like to check if the marking scheme is the problem because uh -huh. 
<laughs> yeah so those yeah yeah those were very proud moments you know and um so so the pressure was always there um but uh but um you know since that time like i was a very a very simple person i i um, as i said like i never considered competition as a thing or i i wasn't aspiring to be better than anyone um so you know that way every time you know people told me you know this person was praising you or they would say um any sort of praise like for me it was just okay and 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 i move on for me it was not a big deal um of course there were things like um you know everyone when everyone started looking at me as a, as a role model um you know there were things like um people were probably like very interested in in every single thing i was doing like if maybe i'm seen talking to a girl or anything like that would be the story um etc and then her mom would somehow know in a day or two so um that was not very cool that was not very cool um, oh, I know. So that was a lot of pressure because when you when you like a girl, you just want to approach her like just the two of you, etc. But like when everyone begins getting on your case, like you hear stories from all over. You're like, oh, you are the guy who dates. Okay. <laughs> so but 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 yeah, but yeah, I think. I, th- I think um um yeah i think i think what what i'll say in conclusion about just getting getting around the pressure etc i i realized earlier on that i was getting that praise and that reputation because i had achieved some things and i knew that you know i wasn't coming from a very influential background so i knew like if i stopped achieving those things um you know the same people who were praising me will be the same people who are criticizing me or laughing at me so it was actually helpful because it pushed me to want to to at least sustain that um for my own sake and also you know just to avoid my parents being ris- disrespected uh, etc so yeah mm-hmm. And now on that, just on that point, please tell us a bit about that. Cause... Um. So I think I think in terms of motivation, I I really appreciate my my grandfather, for example. Um. My grandfather was very committed to my education. Um. So I remember him. He was a bit old old that time, but like, uh, I needed to see it for my because I was telling you in in class one, like I had to go through um like three schools because my my family was having issues and i had to move around with my mom because just you know family conflicts etc mm-hmm. um so 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 you know at that time i actually stayed out of school uh for like two terms in class one and this day my grandfather actually like for days like he was looking for me um he came to where we were staying and he said get get on my bike i'm going to take you to school i had they are doing exams this week so i will stay with you i will make sure you do those exams and next term i will take you to a new school to start your class to um and 
he was super supportive to me um you know throughout uh for example you know i'm saying i was uh yes that is you know my life was the normal activities on weekends as i said you know it would be uh herding our cattle our goats or you know and walking maybe um seven eight kilometers um to and fro to go like fetch water and 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 bring it back etc um just the normal struggles in in rural areas mm -hmm. and you know even in those situations uh because of my the love my family my mom my grandfather my grandma they had for me i actually like you know had privileges as well because i remember when i was in uh, grade two and i did very well they actually got me a mountain bike mm -hmm. um or when i did better in class three they they actually like got me a proper football like i was the only kid in the in the village with those things Hey, the one uh, who tells people, I don't want, if you get angry with someone, you tell them, I don't want you to play. Yeah, I just play. Like, <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> um, or, you know, uh, my my uh, grandparents, they were living in Mombasa that time. So sometimes they would also take me for holidays there, mm -hmm. um, which was superb. So I think, and also another thing, because uh, those times when I was like going to the earlier grades of school, like, telephone um mobile phones like they were not they were not a thing mm -hmm. so uh in order for my mom to communicate to my grandparents in the city like she had to write letters etc so when i was in class two like i had to start writing those letters for example mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so like i had to learn to read and to write out of necessity yeah. like for me Mm -hmm. For me, it wasn't just books. Like for me, it was like I want to read because I need to be able to write letters for my mom. Mm -hmm. I need to learn to do math because um, we had a big farm, and sometimes like would get people to uh, to do some casual jobs like weeding, etc. And like they were paid, you know, like you needed to calculate the area of land they've done, then multiply by money. So. I knew like I had to know the math so that I can do it for my mom. Uh -huh. So so from that earlier stage, like education was very practical for me. Mm. Education was very practical for me. And although my parents didn't put pressure on me, like I would, you know, hear about just a few people in the in the place like who had gone to school, like and I could see them, you know, maybe driving a car etc or because of those opportunities i got for, through the children's assembly to like go to places like you know i would see you know very fancy buildings very fancy estates very fancy cars and when i asked they said it's educated people who live there so so for me i knew like that was that was the way to get there um uh -huh. and I don't like saying this, but I think recently I also realized uh, it was it was also about, you know, my journey has also been about proving some people wrong, maybe people who uh, who doubted me or didn't give me their love. So for me, like the way to uh, the way to sort of not feel bad was to do very well in the things I was doing, and then 
that way I could feel like I was good enough. Uh, because, for example, growing up, my father was not was not around. Mm-hmm. Um, although although I knew him and I would see him sometimes, etc. But he wasn't he wasn't there or like he didn't seem interested in my life. Uh-huh. So 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 you know, for me. For me, it was personal. It was, you know, for me to uplift my mom and and my grandparents and this, like I had to do well in school. Um, And a small part of me when I was young, I thought if I do well in school, maybe you'll come visit me. So, um, so there was that. So there was that. Uh, But with time, it just, it just became, became a part of me. And, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to do well. I just had to motivate myself to do well because, I could see how, um, you know, my parents, my guardians were struggling to actually put me through school, the sacrifices they were making. And, and you know, like I, I talked earlier about naysayers, like you'd hear people being like, oh, you're wasting money on this kid. He's going to fail. Mm. So because I couldn't fight them by hands, like I had to prove them that, okay, I won't, you know, so... <laughs> So, so that that was that was um, that was one of the motivations. Um, in terms of the place I grew up, um, yeah, it was you know I thought it was perfect at the time, uh, to be uh-huh. honest, and I still think so. I think I still have you know very good memories back then. I I went to a school uh, which was around uh, five kilometers from my home, so so you know uh, it would be waking up by five um make some tea and then you know we didn't really like i know uh, people in the city or elsewhere like they pack lunch etc like we had this special porridge made from millets uh, which we used to our moms used to make us using stones etc and then uh, you would have your own jerrycan uh, maybe of the the porridge and um, it's really a brew more than a porridge, but I'll call it porridge. Um, and then, yeah, after that, you know, like you'd actually run sprint the five kilometers because uh, you can't afford to be late to school. Uh-huh. Um, and then when I was like early in primary school, because we, we used to go, I think like many kids in rural areas, we used to go to school barefooted. And so when I was in lower primary, because we used to come home in the afternoon, like at around one two, like it would be so sunny, and then because the the road is mainly sand, like it, uh, you know, it would be so painful, like walking through the sand in this in the in the sunny weather. So what we would do is like would would be running to shade. So like you'd literally sprint until mm-hmm. place where there's a tree. You rest there. Then you sprint again until the next place, etc. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and just like kids, those times, like around those areas, like um, we liked fighting and wrestling for no particular reason. So, <laughs> so, so that was a very exciting part because every like we had sort of a timetable. So, so every time we were going home from school, we knew like this one is going to fight this, this one is going to fight this. So it would be the fight would start in a very simple way. I don't know, you draw a line if someone crosses, you know, just mm. normal things. Um, I I loved play, playing football. I think we we had um, 
these footballs that we, we used to make for ourselves from papers and, and socks, etc. They were really nice. Um, so when I was in class five, for example, because the place we were playing, like we had three teams and like, if you lose, you stay outside, another team comes in ETC. So there was this goal, which was smaller than the other. So when I was in class five, I used to sit next to the door so that when the bell rings, mm -hmm. I can rush so that my team like scores yeah. in the bigger goal. Yeah. <laughs> so for, <laughs> for me, football was so important. Like whether the teacher was in class or not, like I would be the first one to sprint. Um, I guess it helped that I was doing well in school that I wasn't punished. So true. <laughs> um, but but yeah, that was that was really it. Uh, during the weekends, you'd be given no more jobs. Either you'd uh, go to look after the livestock or you'd go to the farm uh, to do stuff like weeding or or harvesting if it's a rainy season or you'd go to fetch water um, or when you're free like you know you could maybe go to the local um, club and maybe play volleyball or football in the evening um, so yeah it was it was just a very nice, decent childhood. Um, uh, as I said, we didn't have electricity or running water or any of those amenities. Really, like I like seeing you. Like you could literally count people who had like things like TV, television, etc. So, yeah, that mm -hmm. was me. <laughs> and, and so with that as well, because for me this is also very eye-opening and giving me a lot of perspective. Yeah. Even as I listen, I think. Mm -hmm. One question that the listeners would want to know is that for you, mm -hmm. first with the naysayers, did they at one point ever discourage you and you felt like you're just chasing the wind with this education thing now that all of them were telling your people not to invest in your education? And two mm -hmm. is, when you talked about you seeing your dad and seeing you could see him, but you didn't have that connection or whatnot, mm -hmm. was there a part of you that craved or still craves to have had that connection at that point in your life when you were that young or did you ever blame yourself for him not being present in your life um so for the for the naysayers um you know of course i was i was young i was scared i was scared that i might actually fail as they were saying um but i wouldn't say i was discouraged you mm -hmm. know every time i was told oh this one said this and this one said this of course, of course, I was scared, and and sometimes, especially when I went to high school, um, when I was in Bush, you know, the first two years I was not like doing super well. Like the transition was was actually harder, you know, and yeah. and yeah, there were those times I thought, you know, maybe I'll fail as they said. Um, so so yeah, it got to me. It got to me in many ways, but I couldn't show it. I I just had to. Uh, to give my family confidence that I was I was doing well even when I wasn't I was just you know I wanted to tell myself that I was in control um, and you know with time I learned that um, there's only one secret to doing well as I started by saying that you need to put in the time you need to understand yourself um, you need to ask questions when you don't understand stuff you need to practice questions like just those normal things, I learned the principles of, of succeeding and they made me a bit confident, but that couldn't take away 
that feeling that you know maybe they are right maybe i didn't fail in primary school maybe i'm going to fail in high school maybe i didn't fail in high school maybe i'm coming to fail in university you know so mm-hmm. um it it's it's always there it's always there but um you know with time when you reproduce success maybe a couple of times you you know you learn that it's not really luck you know mm-hmm. it's not by chance that people succeed it's 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 by you know there are things there are principles maybe to succeeding you learn about discipline you learn about working hard you learn about confidence you know just those things uh, and you realize you actually have more control uh, over your life than you you tend to think and that way you learn to be to be more daring more confident more hopeful mm-hmm. in terms of my dad um of course of course when you are younger you you really want your parents to be in your life um and when you see one being not interested or not being bothered it really it really affects you and you never want to complain to the one parent that you have because it will stress them even more so mm-hmm. you keep all that to yourself um um so you know at that time of course i craved as a kid you crave attention from your parents you you need it and as much as you might seem strong from the outside like like deep down you're like you know i wish they would take me swimming or i wish they would just carry me on their bike and take me here or there you know mm-hmm. um you know i wasn't craving for attention so that i don't know um i can be given money or anything like i was i just wanted attention for for him to be there and to just ask simple questions like how i was doing how school was like just those normal conversations mm-hmm. you know um in terms of um yeah of course you start thinking that it's your mistake you know or there's something wrong about you and that's why they are not they are not interested mm-hmm. you know so so you grew up you grow you grow up thinking oh there's there's a gap or like a like I'm a disappointment or I'm this and this and this and um yeah it takes it takes a lot to overcome that but much later in life i i realized that uh, my grandfather was always present in my life um mm-hmm like from the first day i can remember he was there and he said you know daniel i'm going to support you to achieve every single thing that you want to achieve and true to his word um he's actually the person who took me to high school um like we took we took a bus overnight um with him came to kikuyu went to to school and though he hadn't been to school himself like he actually came for all my academic days uh, wow. he would sit there they, they were talking english he couldn't understand but like you'd actually sit there listen mm-hmm. um and then you know uh, bring me some um no i think no i think um men are not so good with bringing gifts so i don't think he yeah. was the kind of guy to <laughs> to bring gifts but he would give me some good pocket money mm-hmm. um so he he came for for every single of those things and 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 to be honest he gave me so much love than i guess i i would have gotten um if um 
you know, I don't know how things would have turned out if my dad was around, but I'm really grateful for how things turned out because he gave me this, like, you know, like when someone is your father figure, but like really like treats you with a lot of love. Yeah. And he treats you like you're, you are responsible, like you are, um, you are in charge of your own destination. Like when, when, when they don't like reprimand you or shout at you, like when you do things, they're like, okay, explain to me like what your thinking process wa- was. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, okay, that makes sense. It's fine. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like when your parent or the person you look at as your parent shows you respect when you are really young, yeah. um, like that that actually pushes you to to be more responsible, um, to want to to make them proud. Mm-hmm. So it was never like uh, uh, you know playing cat and mouse and and running around. Like I knew my parents. Um, and my guardians, like they respected me and and they believed in me, so it was always being honest with them on on mm-hmm. everything, and that really helped me. And even now, being like studying here in the UK, away from home, you know, like I still have those values. Yeah, you know, uh, I still um, every single thing I do. There's always that question at the back of my mind. Would he be proud? Would my my mom be proud? You know, so mm-hmm. it really helps. And so far, so good, right? Yeah, so far, so far things have been good. So far, things have been good. I think they did well to raise me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, on another question is: you talked about for you growing up, like in primary, mm-hmm. like it was never a competition for you being number one or being the best reader was never a matter of I'm better than everyone else. It was just a matter of Oh, so I'm just good, but it was never, you know, a competition between you and anyone else, yeah? Yeah. And for me, looking back, for me personally, like from primary, I always remember it was always a competition. It was mm-hmm. either, Billy, why are you not number one this time, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. being top three all the time, it's always be number two next time, be number one. Improve. Yeah. So I don't remember a time in my life, even entering Bush, I don't remember a time in my life where academics was not a competition for me academics yeah. has always been a competition after competition so for you what were some of the ways that for you academics did wasn't boiled down to being a competition and do you think for you it worked for the better or for the worse? um wow that's that's a very detailed question um i i think um so so when I started school, because I was in primary school, I was moving around a lot. Um, you know, I I was like probably like position three a lot of the time. And of mm-hmm. course, I had that ambition, like I wanted to be number one one day. Mm-hmm. And and I think from when I was class three, because I didn't go to, I mean, my primary school was good, um, but like it didn't produce like very many top mark students etc mm-hmm. so so you know i guess from when i went to to grade three in that place i i became number one and that became consistent mm-hmm. uh so i think i think unlike unlike your case where like there was a lot of competition through and through mm-hmm. uh for me it got to a point when i i you know I became number one many times and and so so my parents stopped asking for my report card 
Hey. So, <laughs> the dream of every parent. <laughs> <laughs> they stopped asking, but there's one time when I was in class six, I was number two, and as usual, I didn't show them my report card. Mm-hmm. Uh, then my mom goes to to the town and then comes back in the evening and is like, "Okay, so Daniel, why didn't mm-hmm. you tell me?" I'm like what, mom? That you are number two. <laughs> <laughs> like i thought you don't you don't care about that um but there was there was that one time and i felt very very offended that she didn't say anything when i was number one and the single time i wasn't she was she was all over my case um i you know so i think because of that consistency of being at the top i think it got to a point when i was more interested on how people from other schools were doing mm-hmm um i wanted to have an idea on like how many marks do people get you know so for me it was it was more of like setting a target in terms of the the kind of mark that i want to get or setting a target of saying um because i really like i liked balancing my subject so every time like i had one lagging behind like i was always um you know like i needed i felt like i needed to do something about it so 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 that was my push and also i had teachers who who are very supportive from earlier on and they would tell me stories about the private schools they had taught how kids were doing there so my ambition was not influenced by my surroundings only it was also mm-hmm. in, influenced by the stories my teachers told me about other schools or what i heard about other places or what i read in the newspapers so I think I think from that age like I just I just wanted to be up there with the best so so I stopped caring so much that I'm number 1 in this particular place but it was more about I'm number 1 but like what's my mark um mm-hmm. and what school can that get me to so so I started having that thinking when I went to high school I you know I also Tell read about the culture shock <laughs> <laughs> so when I yeah, I think that can actually be a totally different thing because in in high school I you know I was a very confident kid because of the opportunities I'd gotten before. Mm-hmm. But um but you know I I I come to high school and you know there are these kids from Nairobi who are speaking you know this very good English mm-hmm. um who are dressed very well. Uh, mm-hmm. who seem to know about everything about popular culture about every genre of music uh, i didn't even know there was someone called diamond platinums or alikiba i used to listen to Ken- keno maria and no one was talking about him there mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know that that was that was a bit scary you'd see other people like um like reading very big novels the first day Mm-hmm. And the biggest book I'd read, it was like probably 50 pages. And that was like many weeks of reading. Mm-hmm. See people downing like big fictional novels every day. Um, you'd also see like people being driven in, um, you know, with big cars, with Range Rovers um, and all these sort of cars eating pizza. You know, that was... Yeah, that was because for us, we just we landed with our box like carrying in our head, you know, 
yeah. uh, packed it in the put it in the administration block and so it was it was quite surprising um <laughs> to see all that and i think um you know i think i think because of that i think i sort of uh shut myself out of many opportunities earlier on in high school because I thought, no, this one is meant for the cool kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't apply for things like being a bell ringer or being in the, I don't know if you guys found the social welfare committee yeah, um, or entertainment committee. <laughs> yeah. In, I couldn't even think about it, although I think that was partially influenced by the conversations I was mm-hmm. hearing in my group of people, like talking about people who should be there. I think I let that get into my head and judge myself that, no, I think, I think, no, I, I don't think I, I fit in, in that category. Yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah, I think I felt like an outcast for a, for a long time. Um mm-hmm. To be honest, I was still, you know, the, that that my confidence was still there because, and that was because during holidays when I went home, I would still volunteer, like I would go to the local primary school and teach. Um, I was still the president um, of my district assembly. I got elected as my county children's governor as well. So, yeah, hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so outside school. Like I was, I was achieving so much, but when I come to school, like I have to coil myself and just be, these things are not for me. These things they're talking about going abroad, SATs, not for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I put myself out of opportunities, um, I guess until I was somewhere towards the end of uh, my, my form three. That's when I decided you know, I'll try to apply for a few things and see how it goes. Um, the first thing I applied for was to be a senior librarian. I was actually selected. I was so surprised. I thought that's also for cool kids and people who read bo- big books. So uh, <laughs> I was very surprised. Um, I, Because I was playing football in Form 1 and Form 2, I moved and went to handball. I also thought I was not the type of person to be in the in the committees for for those things um and you know like everyone wanted me to be there is this um position we used to call i think it was um team team leader or team manager it was like more of organizing people deciding who goes for functions and who doesn't um getting food for the players so i went to the handball i was given that position i was playing as their goalkeeper like that is the happiest i'd been um and that that took a lot of courage i also uh in form four i for the very first time i was like you know i'm leaving this school i assume that science congress is for you know people who know how to use computers or like they type very fast so i decided okay let me just try mm-hmm. you know i came up with two projects they all went all the way to regionals um wow mm-hmm. so so i exited the school thinking you know i wasted so many opportunities because mm-hmm. Most of the opportunities I tried, I actually got all of them. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, why did I try from before? Actually, I might have been as good as these people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think 
I think there was, yeah, there was culture shock, but then, you know, like it, it really like um, turned to something else. It turned to, um, to, to, you know, um, what is it called? This syndrome of feeling like you're an outcast. Imposter, imposter syndrome. syndrome. It turned to imposter syndrome. It turned to feeling like an outcast. It turned to feeling like I wasn't cool enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when I started getting involved in things as well, I started doing better in school. I That was the time, you know, I began consistently being in the top 20, uh, which was a big deal. Which was a big deal, and it accorded me privileges. I started doing less punishments. Um, you know, prefect started having some respect. That was nice. I could pass uh, before the PCR, and they'll just be like, "It's fine." So, so yeah. that was good. That was good. So, so my my last two years were very good. My last two years were, um, you know, I decided to to try things. Um, and and I guess, you know, one thing I would tell, you know, maybe kids coming from the outskirts of the country to go to alliances, you know, like, yes, you might be different, but probably that's what makes you special. Um, and if you don't give things a shot, you you will never know. So, you know, you should try. At the very least, you will learn something. Um, yeah. um, but you are there, like, you are admitted to these places on merit. Um, so you have the ability in you uh, to compete with anyone so so people people should go for things people should go mm-hmm. for things and that's what i've been doing since high school actually trying to 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 you know achieve as much as i can just so that people whose story who can relate to my story you know they can they can see that there are no limits really yeah you know mm-hmm. there are no limits to the spaces you can you can get into or the amount of wins you can make or the the amount of difference you can make you know it's just believing in yourself it's about putting in the work um and yeah trying at the very least so yeah mm-hmm. i think i like what you said about like the conversations around you were some of the mm. things that you had you for going for going from going for these positions because i remember yeah. Even me when I was chief, mm-hmm. I tried, uh, so, you know, as chief, you elect the next form ones. Mm-hmm. And you realize it's only these people who are, quote, unquote, from the affluent families would apply. Yeah. And you wonder, why is there that disparity? How come out of the 400 form ones in this school, no one would be bold enough to, you know, would dare even apply and mm-hmm. try their luck? And I think not only were the conversations around that uh, detrimental, but also... Sometimes I think even the culture mm-hmm. would put down people who didn't come from this family. So you think, so you know, SWS people or people from entertainment committee are the people who are wearing the latest watches, mm-hmm. they are ordering pizza in every Tuesday, every Tuesday. And all <laughs> of us, I think, Gary Marrow in the dining hall. Yeah. So did anyone at this point show you kindness in that when you talked about your grandfather, did used to just come and visit you as all men would do with nothing? Mm. newspaper did anyone ever try telling you come let's sit at our car mm. and whatnot and for you do you think this because i've done an episode episode my i think my second 
episode mm-hmm. or third episode was on classism mm-hmm. and we talked about that disparity especially in bush and many of these other schools how they take students all over from all over the country but again with this freedom where some students can wear the latest sharpshooters and others are wearing butter there's mm-hmm. always you know that disparity some people are wearing school life others are wearing well, it's called wingman you know <laughs> so, mm. and, and you know the wingman definitely gives you a higher um leverage when you're lifting and you mm-hmm. this so it kind of puts them ahead of everyone else so yeah for you do you think how did how did you see some of these things what were what was your perspective and what do you actually think to date can be done about some of these things if you don't agree with the way that culture was yeah i mean um you are right you're right uh the culture had some some influence and i the culture as you said had an influence and you know like now i realize you know for example things like uh representation how important they are mm-hmm. uh for example when you see someone with a similar story as yours or someone you can associate with in a particular position it gives you confidence that you can actually get there mm-hmm. but as you said you know a lot of the people who are in these positions they were not they they were mostly people from maybe affluent families or um people who i think there was this setup of i don't know what they called milk boys or something yeah when you inform one um it would mostly be people who have ever entered pcr uh, who will get these positions and you know there's there's also another dimension of um as you said i talked about you know the things the people i was uh talking to are talking about so i i guess it's also about also when you when you go to a place like that you're more likely to position yourself or to be friends with uh people from the same background as you or or people yeah. who feel like they're being uh looked down upon or victimized so most of the times probably like the conversations won't be they they mostly be about complaining um yeah. about the system etc uh which is fine but um i think it helps to be around more positive conversations um because i know some people who are not very well off but uh they in choosing their friends or associations they they probably like ended up with people from yeah those affluent families etc and and maybe they got some courage to try things though i saw most of them trying really hard to to keep up um yeah. with the lifestyle and everything when they knew they couldn't afford it so there there are also negatives to that yeah so so yeah i think i think the system you know um you know just like any other matter of discrimination um you know in my space here i i recently worked as the vice president for inclusion in our sports union i i was doing a lot of work around making everyone feel like they belong you know mm-hmm. and you know things like racism or things like lgbt plus uh inclusion uh women in sport you know you realize some 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 problems are very systemic and and you have to take very radical me- measures to to overcome them you mm-hmm. can't overcome them by just one announcement or anything like you have to be very intentional about it 
um, how you encourage these kids who feel like they are secluded to apply for committee positions uh, in their houses, how you, because if you don't encourage them and treat them well, they'll turn out to be crooks. And mm. just because, yeah, if you're not embraced, you will rebel, you know. And and I think, I think there are a lot of good people, you know, who like change their character to be crooks in order to survive. And, and maybe that ended up impacting them negatively even later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is also the aspect of there are also people who are crooks and that also maybe works to their favor later on because sometimes life is tough and it requires you to be tough. So if you are a bit spent food, spent fed, then, you know, it's it can be difficult when you're on your own. So, so yeah, th- there are things that need to be done. I don't know how it is now, but you know, I think there's more need to bring in or to, to encourage those kids uh, from the outskirts of, or not very well of families to go mm-hmm. out for uh, for positions, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it was through an election, an open process, actually people would go for those things mm-hmm. and, and, and they would win. So, so yeah, uh, in terms of kindness, yes, I... I had so my best friend uh, Rogers. Um, there was this time actually when we inform one, uh, his family always came to visit him with a lot of chicken, mm-hmm. uh, very tasty chicken. And I think the first time they came, I I happened to be with him. So so he said, "Oh, come say hi to my mom and dad." And they were very very friendly people. So from that day on, you know. Um, every single time they visited, they would either look for me to come have food with them, or if if they didn't find me, they would actually give him pocket money to bring to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like every single time he would look for me and say, oh, Mutia, uh, mom gave this to you or dad gave this to you. And that was so nice. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I was um, about to do my KCSE, they brought, they sent me the biggest success card anyone in class had, you know. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. so I had that and, and that was, that was so nice. That was so kind. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually talking to Rogers before I talked to you. So, so we are still friends <laughs> now. Uh-huh. Um, and Tell him I also want some chicken. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take you to to KFC when we're in Nairobi. Um so so you know it's like you know meeting such kind people as well they they really change you. Mm-hmm. They really make you become a more empathetic person. Um mm-hmm. they make you realize you are not running away from poverty or anything you're just trying to get an opportunity so that you can uplift other people mm-hmm. and it makes you you know very you know focused on your on 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 impact and your community and making a difference where you are because because by at the very least you know like if some of these people didn't come through if it was not for their kindness like probably you wouldn't be where you are so makes you want to to pay back uh or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and i love that you bring out that aspect because again i remember the people who would now be focused would be brought for a lot of food mm-hmm. would now probably in the evening have parties so all of them have been brought for food 
and now mm-hmm. you come bring your food together but a lot of people would never really share with people who didn't have that food and now looking back that the, that's yeah. the inclusion of people wanting to be in a certain class or certain group then it uh, blocks your mind and then help let you extend that kindness to other people because you don't know how far or how much that even one piece of chicken would mean to someone who whose parent wasn't able to visit them whose parent probably mm. came from the father's place and so wasn't able to find a place to buy food for them or what not yeah and so i think even the listeners as they listen this is giving them a lot of perspective even for the people they meet now even outside here yeah yeah to just be more kind it's very important you know i i got a call from uh, this friend of mine uh, he i think he's around 2 or 3 years younger than me so mm-hmm. um after serving in the children parliament i i later became um, a, a mentor and a trainer for the younger parliamentarians mm-hmm. so i remember there is this time uh, actually i couldn't remember it he had to remind me that there is a time we had a conference and his team made a presentation and i gave very encouraging comments i told them they were perfect i told them they did it very well you know i'd even forgotten but then he was calling me to tell me you know that comment changed my life because because now he has um he has a startup that is doing very well wow um, mm-hmm. he he just um there's there's this organization he was the main ambassador for in Kenya and he actually like won as the best ambassador in Africa um uh-huh. there's a position he was running for like um for for actuaries in Kenya and he was actually like elected etc and he was telling me you know you 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 made me believe in myself and believe in my voice and it's not something i could remember you know mm-hmm. and I meet a lot of other people who say, you know, there is this thing you told us or you said this and like that really resonated with me and I decided to change. So I think it's it's very important to be kind and and to realize the power of our words and our actions. Mhm. They they really make a difference. They really make a difference and more than words actions do, you know. Mm-hmm. So So as you were saying, you know, I would just encourage people to you know, I know everyone is going through something and maybe you are stressed about something etc but just you know, be be nice to other people if you can, um help them if you can, encourage them if you can. Um because it's it's close to that analogy of of teaching people how to fish. Uh, rather than mm-hmm. giving them fish you know yeah. if you show them how to be confident in themselves or how to love themselves and i guess when i when i was in high school like having a stranger give me pocket money or like offer me their food like that was teaching me how to be a decent human being mm-hmm. you know yeah. so 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 yeah those actions go a long way um and and i think it has really changed my life and I try to be that person with my younger brothers or my siblings just you know mm-hmm. trying to to make them discover their power uh, rather than I know their parents who like every time their kids do well they are like you're stupid you're not my kid you're not this but mm. you know you need to do things that make people gain their own confidence because you will not always be there to push them around 
Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I love how you even say that a, a, a lot of times you don't even remember what you did for these people, but they call you years later reminding you and you're like, that actually happened, you know, that yeah. aspect of kindness where you're not doing mm-hmm. it for the show of it to inflate your ego. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. It should, it should just, I guess, you know, I guess when you do something over and over or um, you see, cause I, you know, for me, like it's very hard to look at the world from a negative point of view because I've met like people who are very committed to serving others, people who love other people, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to hate because I was never taught to hate because actually hate is really taught. No one is born hating another person, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so when you are genuine, yeah, like you just do things and you move on, you don't remember. Um, but, you know, sometimes they have a huge impact. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah. And I think thank yous are, are the best gifts. They are bigger than money. Yeah, priceless. Uh, they are priceless. Mm-hmm. They are priceless. When someone just randomly is like, oh, I couldn't have done this without you. Uh, it's so, you know, like sometimes I help people maybe with their applications and I forget. Yeah. And then they call me later and they're like, you know, I got that scholarship. Um, uh, I just finished my first year and thank you so much. Um, mm. And sometimes you've forgotten, but, you know, it's nice, you know, from your perspective, it's just like a teacher. A teacher is happy when they hear their students are doing well in life. You know, that's their joy. Mm. And it's the same with kindness. Your joy is knowing that maybe you planted a seed somewhere you forgot, but the person is doing well. So, and it feels very good. People should try it. Should True. should spare some time for others. Um, it's rewarding. It's worth it. I don't know if it's coincidental, but today when I was I was I'm doing this thing where I want to put out much merchandise for the podcast, and I was asking some of my followers on Instagram and some of the people who want to purchase the match about why exactly do they want this match? And it's crazy because a lot of people are telling me how much the podcast has meant to them. And mm-hmm. you know, for me, for example, I'm just doing this out of loving the podcast and also just wanting to put out people's stories and inspire people. But I don't really know how much this podcast means to people to the point that people are actually saying that, you know, you're actually slacking. Why are you not releasing much? Because <laughs> for some people, they're saying the podcast has helped them through some of their roughest times in their lives. Mm-hmm. For some, it has inspired them in ways they can't, they have never been inspired before. And I'm like, wow, that's actually nice to hear. You know, so just hearing that is just, yeah. I don't know, as you said, the thank yous are priceless. Exactly. Uh, just to, to, to add on that, I was, I was talking to, to this uh, girl. Um, she's, she's, going to start her undergraduate in Oxford next year. She's Kenyan. Wow. And she was actually telling me, because there's this day I had a, a question and answer, and then someone asked me where I went to school. Um, and then I, I put some quotes from a Busherian, like saying, like what Busherians do. I went to Alliance, it's this and this. And then she, she was like, oh, you went to Alliance. Do you listen to this po- podcast called... Um, um, you know, she mentioned your 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 podcast. The good, the bad, and the Busherian. <laughs> good, the bad, and the Busherian. And that was such a surprise. Um, uh-huh. So that's when I told her. Oh, actually, yeah, I was I was talking to the uh, to the podcast host, and and he wanted us to have a conversation. So 
so you know yeah you you have some very you know real fans people who are impacted um and she's she's a really awesome person she writes very well and and she's very um a very critical thinker so it's one of those people when they say they like something it has to be good hey tell her to reach out (laughs) (laughs) i won't even get to why you deleted that that caption but okay remember you deleted it <laughs> uh, i did i did i did i you know i always feel like um I, I i you know i don't want people to judge me because of a title or a place i went mm-hmm. i i want people to judge me just for me you know yeah. um it's it's very imp- because for me like every single day is a chance to prove myself again mm-hmm. so that's why like i've spent you know maybe four years with people here kenyans who don't know like which high school i went to um not because i'm not proud mm-hmm. um but because sometimes you know these things they bring some they carry some connotations with them or some yeah. you know maybe someone just they they hate the school for no reason or like they just have this idea of people who go there yeah and that's when we, you hear people be like hmm, you don't look like those people who went there yeah <laughs> <laughs> how do they look like you know so yeah i yeah i deleted because yeah i just i just like to keep achievements on the law really but i learned when i came here that it's also very important to to celebrate your achievements that you shouldn't shrink yourself or or make mm-hmm. yourself lesser in order to accommodate other people that just if you achieved something and you worked very hard for it celebrate all you want you know it's 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 your achievement it's you who knows what it means to you etc so yeah. yeah true for me this podcast name let me tell you that's something as you mm-hmm. said i battle with a lot because i always feel like guys will stereotype the podcast as you know this is just a, what you are bush or it's mm. like something that you know is secluded for a certain group of people but even as the podcast grows i've realized a lot of people don't think that way so it's only it's all in my head mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. again having an international audience a lot of them don't know what that would mean so a lot of them yeah don't yeah yeah <laughs> feel that way about the podcast yeah yeah no no i was just going to say no i like the name actually the good the bad and the busherian i you do it's a very good name it's a very wow. good name okay yeah now i'll mm. stop sweating that now that you've said it i'll stop stressing about <laughs> it <laughs> it's very good it's very good i mean uh, when, when someone I mean, listens to one pod to one episode they'll actually fall in love the the thing is yeah uh-huh. yeah like once i listened to one episode i was also drawn in you know uh, uh, um so so it's very good it's very good I, yeah. and i think the name is perfect another question i had for you is you spoke earlier about for you at that early age education was practical Mm -hmm. so for you for like unlike some of us or most people who feel like education is something that's being forced down their throat or education is something their parents are forcing forcing down for them but they don't Mm. do this education thing for you you could see the practicality of education from the english the math so the question is to date do you still see the education as practical 
even as you finished your engineering mister <laughs> yes yes i i still view it as, as so um i think um you know i think i think when i was choosing to study electronics and electrical engineering for example i was you know i was very concerned that um you know the place i come from we still used um um you know the the coro boys uh i don't know what they are called in english mm-hmm. uh those kerosene lamps uh with a wick which like is very smoky yes um you know that's what people or kids were using to study in the evenings um or you know i was aware of things like climate change and i was concerned that we were always cutting firewood firewood from the forest and i could at see at that young age i could see no no that was now like when i was coming to university that was oh, when i was mm-hmm. coming to university mm-hmm. um you know i could see you know the rain patterns you know like shifting etc so so for me for example when i was cho- choosing my university course because i grew up wanting to be a lawyer mm-hmm. um but at that point when i wanted to go to university and i was applying for because i i went to jquad for a while but then later i started applying for scholarships etc um when i was applying for scholarships for me yes i was applying to come here because i wanted to do something about about electricity about telecommunications uh connection uh, about internet etc so it has always been very practical for me and when for example i was choosing my when i was choosing my final year project like the project to do for um you know for my degree here it had to be aligned to to that reason why i came to do the degree mm-hmm. you know it had to be aligned to how can i use solar wind wave energy more effectively to generate energy for like those local communities without needing say being connected to the main grid etc so so i think for me it has remained very clear to my mind and sometimes i get frustrated when i study a course and i can't see a practical application Aspect. of it mm-hmm. yeah i need to be able to relate it to something in order to have interest Mm-hmm. um so so that hasn't changed and uh i'm going for for a masters which is also very practical mm-hmm. so so that hasn't changed for me and i think i think i think that gives me more purpose uh because it has taken me a very long time to to obtain my degree because i had to stop school somewhere take a gap here then come over here start again mm-hmm. but what has kept me moving is just that feeling like that i was not just chasing chasing a degree i was chasing knowledge which is going to help me help my people mm-hmm. uh, so that still motivates me uh, till today it hasn't changed mm-hmm. so as you've said you choose it to so you can come back and so you can come back and help your people right so the question is uh-huh. for you now i know a lot of people go abroad and definitely abroad there's more opportunities land of opportunities there's more <laughs> jobs better paying jobs mm-hmm. so a lot of brain drain happens so for you the first question is are you planning to come back to kenya and to mm-hmm. if so what are some of the things you'd want to implement in kenya now that you've said in all stages of your life you've been a quite an influential person mm-hmm. and for, for me I'd, i'd like to think that to some aspects some leaders are born leaders they're not 
made per se. Some people are actually natural leaders. Yeah. And so for you, you're probably one of those people. So when you come back to Kenya, what are some of the things you'd want to do for your country and make your country great, even as you see us suffering when you can compare this contrast between Kenya and the UK? Yeah. Uh, on the first question of coming back, um, yeah, I think when you come here, you realize there are more opportunities. And there's also the question of whether you are actually ready to do the things you wanted to do after just completing a degree. So you start to look at it from the aspect of, you know, yes, there are good universities here, but there are also multinational or world-class companies uh, which you can get to learn a thing or two in terms of experience and practical knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I think now I'm at a place where, you know, maybe I'm not in a hurry to, to come settle back in Kenya immediately as I was maybe when I arrived here. Uh, you realize you could you could gain so much from from these experiences. Um, you will also gain um, a bit of you know stability in every aspect because Kenya is 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 a developing economy and you know there are a lot of struggles and you you realize that you can't uh, for example if you come back and maybe you you get into a state where you're struggling to pay your rent. Mm -hmm. or like you're working so that you can pay your rent, you can buy food, etc. It will be very hard for you to think beyond yourself. Uh -huh. You know, rather than if you probably stay here, work for a bit, you could form networks, uh, you could um, come back, start a company, uh, could get funding from organizations here, etc. So, so the opportunities. So you begin you begin to look at it from a, a bigger perspective of saying, the point is not going back. You know, mm -hmm. the point is going back with something uh, that can make a difference. Yeah. You know, whether it's partnerships, whether it's skills, whether it is financial resources. You know. I think that's that's the the objective now. It's it's not just about going back. I know I, I'll, I'll 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 come back, mm -hmm. but I want to come back when I feel that I'm ready to mm -hmm. to start. You know, at a slightly higher level. I don't want to come back to be a beginner in something. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's my perspective in terms of what I would do. I, you know, I'm I'm very, you know, I'm, you know, I know there's. There, there's a lot there's a lot going on in Kenya and a lot of problems are probably like structural problem like very big picture problems uh i think i think you know um making proper policies and connecting people to 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 electricity reliable affordable clean electricity uh, they should mm -hmm. be uh they should be they should be at the forefront Mm -hmm. because because when you connect people to electricity that is reliable like you're bettering many sectors for example you're bettering education you're bettering healthcare hospitals will be able to use sophisticated machines they couldn't use earlier um you're promoting businesses people will be able to open new sort of businesses and and work beyond light hours for example Mm -hmm. um you are also opening up industries um you're opening up agriculture uh people can irrigate people can process people can do all those things so 
I think you know things like electricity and and water like they will open many many opportunities and also in the age that we are going to of course electricity goes hand in hand with um telecommunications network or internet and that will be very important for every single person to have access to internet to be able to do research etc mm-hmm. um the second thing you know these are very you know you know for the structural issues there's so much that you can do you know there's there's also a need to you know because i think i think in kenya sometimes we don't um we don't respect academics as much as we should or we don't give them opportunities and resources you know here mm-hmm. here universities do a lot of useful research every mm-hmm. time the government wants to do something it turns um to universities and to professors who are like the best in those particular fields mm-hmm. you know when covid came like um here the government turned to universities like oxford to start looking for the medicine for the vaccine for covid mm-hmm. you know because they've built that capacity um and you know they they compensate um they are they are they are teaching staff very well mm-hmm. uh, they finance their universities very well so on every single aspect that impacts the life of the people here you know there's a lot of research going on in that particular area and when the prime minister for example is appointing ministers or advisors he actually picks the top people in their fields so mm-hmm. so unlike kenya where uh, i'm sorry i don't like criticizing my country actually <laughs> um, you know like i remember when we went to high school for example like being the top student in class was not cool enough you are not cool enough you didn't want to be seen like you're working hard or you're studying <laughs> True. when you go to university and you're working very hard to get a first class like people tell you you know there are a lot of first classes out there they don't have jobs yeah you know but here education is valued it's like people take pride mm. in getting high marks because they know like it's not about the marks but like it's about being competent right but yeah. they take pride because also like the education system like getting high marks is proportional to being competent um in in this education system so people take pride in that because they know the best opportunities are for people who are competent you know so so i think i think there is need for that there is need for that because i was talking to my friend who actually owns um he has a a startup um that does uh, robotics and internet of things stuff and he was telling me to uh so in electronics people often use uh, pcbs to solder things in he was telling me to to do a to get a pcb he needs to send his designs to china then wait for weeks mm-hmm and a pcb is a very simple thing for example in my university like if i submit my pcb design now just go and print it now mm-hmm. you know in a university setting but like you find like those um really minor things like there's no single company that is doing that or there's no university that has capacity to do that so even mm-hmm. when a young person is very interested in that particular field 
um, like there are so many barriers to 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 innovating or to getting things. So, uh -huh. so yeah. In summary, I think yeah, I would also yeah, I would prioritize education and research and and encourage making decisions based on evidence uh, rather than mm -hmm. gut feeling. Uh -huh. um, you know, I think I think data and statistics they don't lie. You know, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, people should should stop being lazy and 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 do the like just <laughs> work. You know, yes. um, of course there are also issues with um, you know, say the 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 public sector and and maybe people taking bribes or people not taking their work seriously, etc. Uh, I know it's a very um, difficult issue to handle, for example, because once someone gets a government job, they know they probably have it for life. So what is the motivation for them to work super hard, you know? Yeah. Uh, so there are those things. I, you know, I think here, for example, I'm a member of staff in the university on a part-time basis, and I see like even without supervision or push or anything like people take a lot of pride in their work mm -hmm. you know they do their best they give their all like even the people doing cleaning uh, etc like they take a lot of pride in what they do they believe that it is important for the organization to work mm -hmm. you know and i wish every single person uh, in the Kenyan ecosystem took their job that seriously, you know, yeah. that from the president uh, to the person, um, uh, let me not put it like that, but like, let's say, you know, the person doing farming, uh, the person uh, working in a factory, the person teaching, the person uh, uh, being in a hospital somewhere, I think they should take pride in their work and of course, in order to do this, the system has to to treat them well, compensate them well, uh, etc. I think you know you've seen cases of people going for months without being paid. You know, there's no yeah. way you can give your best with that. So, I would focus on creating those conditions for people to uh, to be patriotic and to you know to believe that what they are doing is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think even going abroad gives you that different perspective from mm -hmm. what we are given here. Because as you said, for us, like for me, a lot of times you'd hear people saying, ah, you know, first class year must, in Kenya you have to have connections. But I love how you <laughs> talked about um, doing your best in whatever you do. You know, whatever your hands find to do, do it to the best of your ability. A lot of times we try want to be mediocre. We want to just be average. But if you can be good at it, why not? If you can be good at podcasting, why not try be the best at it rather than just putting out mediocre content? I think even for, as you said, the staff in university, the cleaners, just doing the best in whatever small, quote-unquote small thing you think you're doing goes a long way. And also you talking about what do you have to show for it? So even you guys, as you come back to Kenya, and you said you want to build connections, you want to build something before you come back. I think that speaks a lot in you having something to show for all the years you've gone there. You know, you don't come back and you and someone who stayed in Kenya could have difference, you know. Like, <laughs> exactly, there has yeah. to be that. <laughs> there's, there has to be that something that you're showing that everyone is like, yeah, all those years were worth the wait. And I know I asked you for one hour and we're now one and a half hours in. So as we wind up, mm -hmm. now on a light note, 
because I know we can go on and on and there are so many things we can talk about uh, and so many more things we need was, to talk about. I was going to give a comment on like when you say they're coming back without something to show for it, you know, mm-hmm. it's like uh, there is this uh, joke they, they always made, kuitwa mweshimiwa na hauna kitu kwa mfuko. So you're given respect, but uh, like, yeah, you, you, you're not ready, you know, like, uh, it's not about money, but like, yeah, actually about what you can offer in your particular field. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think it's very important for people to strive to be the best in what they do. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't think people should settle for mediocre and just uh, finding their way around, etc. I think. You know, that <laughs> the bare minimum. Uh, yeah, you see, yeah, the thing is, you know, for me personally, I'm not, um, I'm not really obsessed about marks, you know, but like Neo Drive, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like, like it's the drive someone has that they, they want to be the best, that they are doing their best. Like, I think that's the most important thing, like whether, whether you are like getting 90s or you're getting 40s. Mm-hmm. Like knowing that I'm doing my best and I'm trying to be better. And every time I don't do my best, I feel bad, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, yeah. Go go ahead. Ask your last question. So as we wind up, the <laughs> lighthearted question is, you've said you've been to some of the best places on earth, some of the best magnificent hotels. Mm-hmm. So of all these hotels and all these functions, one, what, what, which is the best place you've seen? Mm-hmm. No, and not out of leisure no, okay probably out of leisure as well but something that an opportunity opened up and you went there mm-hmm. and two what is one of the what is the one event that you've gone for that you take the most pride in <laughs> so, so you'll have to <laughs> no, I, I was going to say those two questions might have the same answer <laughs> ah sure um yeah, yeah. So, so I think one very transformational um, uh, event that happened for me, um, and it was actually at a time when I was watching this uh, TV series called The Crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Crown is about the the, the UK royal family, um, the history and and everything. So, so I was invited um, actually to Saint James's Palace. Uh, St. Hey, James's hey. Palace in London is the residence of um, Her Royal Highness uh, Princess Anne, uh, who is a daughter to the Queen. Hey, hey God, when? Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, so she happens to be the Chancellor of our, of our university. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I was invited because they were celebrating partnerships between Africa and the University of Edinburgh, and they had invited donors uh to the university uh, people who've donated a lot of millions of pounds mm-hmm. and also my because i'm sponsored by mastercard to study here also the mastercard ceo uh, rita roy was there and a couple of directors from mastercard etc and uh wow like that that place is beautiful my friend like mm-hmm. You know, those carpets and walls you see and you are like, damn, that is so authentic. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just something about it. You can't put words to it. 
Uh-huh. The ambience around, like, it's totally different. So mm-hmm. we, we go to the door. Of course, like, when you go to palaces, you don't carry your phones or, or anything. Uh-huh. So we leave our phones there. We leave our coats there. We leave everything there. Uh, you're walking inside. There's so much order. And even before the event, like, you have to be prepared on how to address uh, Her Royal Highness on how to do this and this mm-hmm. and this. So a very formalized thing. Um, of course, I like as one of the few students there, I had a very central role to introduce guests to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then had a brief conversation with her, took some pictures, then went over for dinner. Um, mm-hmm. It was wow. Uh, you know, that dinner was good, my friend. I've never tasted something so good. Eh? Uh-huh. I, I need to figure out what it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but dinner was so good, man. And, um, you know, I think I think that was a very transformational event for me because coming out of there, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like I'd been to the top of the world. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because it's St. James's Palace, Buckingham Palace is just next to it. So I felt I've been to one palace. Mm-hmm. So I've been to both. And the royalty is held in very high regard around the world. Um, you know, only very exceptional people in their, um, you know, various sectors, maybe sports, or like contribution to humanity, only those people are invited here to be awarded or anything. And I showed up here as a fresh kid from from Kenya. Mm-hmm. So that that gave me a lot of confidence that I can I can do everything now. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not scared to be in any other room um, mm-hmm. I, because I mean it wasn't easy, but I handled being in the room that definitely should be very scared. Uh-huh. Um, so, so I think from from there on, you know, like I've it really increased my confidence. Um, it made me comfortable anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was that was a very that was a very good one. That was a very good one. Saint James's Palace. Yeah, it would be the place, and also, and also the event. event. I've been to other good events. Very good, exceptional. Uh, mm-hmm. I would pick this one though. So. Now to the listeners, just know from, I'm a very serious man. I'm one person away from the CEO of MasterCard, also <laughs> from Princess Anne. So people should take me seriously. Please pass my greetings to both of them. Now that <laughs> I'm actually lucky, I've met uh, Princess Anne twice. I, I also met her again, like during the the lockdown, um, as well, because because the university was was awarding me some um some prize so hey. she is the one to confer that so uh you know i count myself lucky in that aspect to be honest i i don't consider myself exceptional you know uh-huh. i i just think people have given me opportunity and they've pushed me to believe in myself mm-hmm. and that yeah that works magic once you feel like you are supported mm-hmm. you do very well yeah I think it is safe to say that since you've met her twice, you two are friends. So tell her <laughs> that this is my contribution to humanity. I'd just like to just come. Me, I don't even want a prize. Just to come <laughs> see the palace <laughs> and experience this indescribable feeling that you experienced. But 
aside from that, thank you so much for gracing the podcast. For me personally, I think I've learned a lot from the podcast and gotten a very different perspective from prayer knowledge to come to the podcast. So I want to hear from the listeners, what are their thoughts on everything we've talked about? Please feel free to tweet at the Boucherian pod on Twitter, at the good, the bad, the Boucherian on Instagram. Also, don't forget merchandise for the podcast is dropping from t-shirts to bucket hats to fridge magnets to journals to water bottles to hoodies so feel free to make your pre-orders as they will be a limited edition so with that folks have a lovely week ahead and cheers